motherfucking K, homeboy. A to the motherfucking K. A to the motherfucking K, homeboy. A to the motherfucking K. A to the motherfucking K, homeboy. A to the motherfucking K. Shall we move on to uh what I'd like to move on to if I could is the worst which it sounds funny because I've just been saying oh we're you know toxic place the internet <laughs> uh so I'm going to join the toxicity and uh and move on to our the the sort of craziest or worst mania moments if, if you're happy with that yeah let's do it and uh, given that I started the last one off Carl would you like to start this one sure thing so let me take you back on a journey to Wrestlemania 6 um so this one is not you know, I don't think it'd be the worst thing by on on many people's lists, but for me, it was it was awful. So, <laughs> um, I am a massive Mr. Perfect Mark, as everyone will know. Um, and you know, as of WrestleMania six, he was not um, he'd never been defeated, um, at least not on uh, TV. So he had a winning streak, um, as you would expect, and the match unfolded, and they ended up basically having fucking Brutus the Barber Beefcake beat Mr. Perfect at WrestleMania. And as a young, how old would I have been? Can't even think how old I would have been. But as a very young child, I was fucking fuming. <laughs> <laughs> and still still to this day, I'm not quite over it. I just think, um, you know, they built Mr. Perfect up with a streak. Not like, you know, not like a, a Goldberg streak where he, he felt like, you know, he was invincible because a lot of the, the times when he, he ended up not losing was because he fucking was a dirty, dirty bastard. He got counted out or he did got disqualified, that kind of stuff. So it was never mm-hmm. like a, he was invincible, but you know, he'd never been defeated and it was because he always had the perfect game plan. And I just think to waste that kind of, um, first kind of defeat on someone like fucking Brutus, the barber beefcake was just a, a criminal offense. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally, totally understand where you come from there. It, it's always a shame when they, the end something that's been built up so well, so randomly, you know, yeah. and I can't. Um, for me, obviously, again, it's 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 WrestleMania six, so I can't fully appreciate the the story behind it. But um, yeah, obviously, I I can imagine it's quite personal for you as well, because uh, Mr. Perfect, he's he's your guy, he's your wrestler, isn't he? <laughs> well, that's it. Um, so I was very very traumatized for many years, um, all the way up until my thirty one year old self. Now, I'm still not quite getting over it. So um, <laughs> we're getting we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> slowly but surely, but. Um, yeah, so that that was one of the darkest days of my of my WrestleMania um, memories of finally seeing Mr. Perfect's undefeated streak come to an end, which is a a sad thing to think about. Yeah, and a, a strange way to end it, really. Um, yeah. Strange wrestler to end it on. No offense, obviously, to to Brutus, but um, you know, it wasn't. Think, you think they were going to save it for something bigger? And again, all due respect, but um, yeah, it just seems a strange one to go out on when you built yeah. up like that. I think, I, I mean, this could be purely kind of conjecture, but I think at the time he was very, very close with Hulk Hogan. Um, so, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Hogan had kind of convinced Vince that um, this should be the outcome or whatever to kind of get Brutus over. But, yeah, um, it was just, it was the wrong choice, <laughs> definitely. Mm. You know, regardless of whether it was Hogan pushing for it or Vince or whoever, it just... You know, it didn't make sense at the time for me um, for for that to be the one, or you know, for him to be the person who who would kind of take that off off uh, perfect. No, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, yeah, 
I, there's not much, much not much else I can say on that, but it was a, a very strange booking in some respects. Yep. Um, next is uh, three years later, so WrestleMania 9. So this one, again, still greatly offends me. So this was... <laughs> <laughs> um, in fact, was this WrestleMania 9? I'm starting to doubt myself now. Was it WrestleMania 10? Let me just consult the Wikipedia here. It's probably better. I, I did that halfway through mine before, like... You, you you put the numbers down and you start out on yourself don't you going did that happen did that happen at that point <laughs> um uno momento uno momento isn't he wrestling for AEW at the minute <laughs> no that's evil uno momento <laughs> um wrestlemania x hopefully i'm not wrong here um no i am not wrong um so i was right all along as i knew ha ha um yes wrestlemania 9 um saw the main event being um, Bret Hart versus Yokozuna um, for the WWE Championship, and it was, you know, it was a, it was a really good WrestleMania in a sense because it was an outdoor event. It was they had like this little um, Caesar's Palace type thing going on where everyone was dressed up as Greek, you know. Oh yeah, recall that arena, yeah. Yeah, so you know, it's something that kind of stands out, and um, you know, when you think back to WrestleMania, is something that you kind of think, oh yeah, that was quite cool, but. Unfortunately, the main event was not, and it was um, my my one of my favorites at the time. Bret Hart was taking on Yokozuna for the WWE Championship, and um, Mr. Fuji got involved and threw some dust in Bret Hart's eyes, uh, you know, causing him to kind of lose his vision. And then Yokozuna ended up winning the match, and you know nobody was happy. But then, out of nowhere, a returning Hulk Hogan comes back to which the fans are all pumped up about, except for me, who's going, what the fuck, why is he back? And then, you know, Brett's just lost, and, you know, apparently he's really cool with the fact that Hogan's come out and basically tells him to go and avenge his loss. And then Hogan proceeds to squash Yokozuna in around about 20 seconds and win the belt after being away for fucking God knows how many years doing movies. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So he finished filming the the nanny or whatever that babysitting money was in (laughs) and thought, Okay, I'm gonna go back to wrestling. Yeah, because um, his career in comedy wasn't the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a strange booking for a lot of reasons. That I mean, the, the, even just the how quick he managed to deal with it is um, it, it's not good for for Brett that at all. And um, like you say, I'm quite surprised when you say that Brett was sort of all on board for like, yeah, you go and deal with it. It's um, yeah, very very unusual setup. I mean, I think th- obviously the big thing for everyone was. Hulk's back, so the the way you got there was probably irrelevant to a lot of people, but I can see why that's frustrating for you, especially obviously you're, you're a Bret Hart fan, and uh, more so than Hulk Hogan anyway. But well, um, I felt yeah, like very unusual setup there. I felt like we'd we'd seen enough of Hogan <laughs> by this point, and we'd definitely seen enough of Hogan winning the belt at WrestleMania, so it kind of felt it just didn't feel organic. It felt like um, you know why would Bret be happy for Hogan to avenge his loss after? He just got screwed over and stuff, and basically, yeah, you go on and win the title. It just, I don't know, it felt very thrown together yeah. and just didn't feel like it made a lot of sense. And you know, I mean, I it guess... does feel odd, mate, because I mean, when you consider this man was in the title picture at WrestleMania one, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and comes back at WrestleMania nine to be in the title picture is crazy. Well, that's it. Um, and it was just, I don't know, it just kind of felt really off. And I think they were trying to go like a new direction at the time with like. Brett, after kind of recovering from all the the big you know superstars that left, they had Hogan, you had Savage, you had um, Ultimate Warrior, you had all like Sid Vicious, all these guys who were kind of leaving at this time. Um, you know, Brett was kind of carrying the 
the kind of pressure. They had the likes of Yoko, who was trying to take on that pressure as well. And then they just kind of shit the bed and brought Hogan back. And for me, and I think for a lot of people, it just didn't, I don't know, it just didn't feel right. It was like, why why go down this new direction and then just kind of shit the bed and bring Hogan back? And ultimately, he didn't end up staying for very long as well. So it just kind of felt flat, ultimately. Yeah. No, totally agree. Crazy setup. And um, it, it sort of almost smacks of their reliance on older stars, even as far back as then. I mean, they're still doing it to this day, aren't they? Let's be honest. Well, that's it. You know, at least you can say one thing, and that that is that they are consistent. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> if they can bring a big name, uh, a big name uh, back, and you know, screw over any of the current talents in order to do so, then you know, they will definitely do that. And you know, even back in WrestleMania Nine, that was no different. So. Yeah, I dare say if Hogan could come back now, he probably would surprise everyone at WrestleMania Thirty Six. <laughs> I mean, don't put it past him. You know, seriously, it could happen. Yeah. Uh, but he's a bit past it now. He'd probably get the day wrong. It's over two days now. He'd probably get a bit confused. I mean, he was past it then. He still thought he was in the Silver Dome, so, you know. <laughs> Shit I happens. forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That was a nice little fuck up. <laughs> so, yeah. WrestleMania 9. Um, not good. Uh, next one for me was WrestleMania 27. So, um, yeah. Just a match that never needed to happen and just should never happen again was... Jerry Lawler versus Michael Cole. I mean, who the fuck wants to see Michael Cole wrestle? Um, I just... Michael Cole. <laughs> I just... I think back to this and just think, what the fuck were they thinking? Um, for whatever reason, they were really big on Michael Cole at this time. It was fresh off the fucking anonymous GM stuff where he was like the, the main heel on Raw reading out these fucking GM statements. And then, you know, they suddenly, you know, inexplicably had... I think it was... They had Jerry Lawler go up for a, a WWE Championship match on Raw or something like that, and Cole ended up costing him the match by, I think it was like a ladder match, and he ended up kind of pushing Jerry Lawler off, and that was what set up the feud. And it just didn't feel, it just felt stupid having them two sat next to each other on commentary every fucking week, and then, you know, but really having this animosity between each other, apparently, and then leading to a match, it was like, I don't know, it just, Yeah. <laughs> No, I think sincerely, and I'll precursor this by saying, obviously, I'm well aware that Jerry Lawler was an active wrestler at one point in his life, but at this point, I'd been a, a commentating for a long time and had not been an active wrestler for a long time. So essentially what you've got is WWE going, I wonder how good it'd be if we had uh, the, the commentating team wrestler match. Uh, it wouldn't be good, WWE. It would never be good. You know, if you're tempted to do it with the with the other announcers, the other uh, the, the German announcers or the Mexican ones or whatever, don't. It doesn't work. It never will work. And uh, what a fucking mess. Like, don't be wrong, Jerry Lawler, like, you know, he, he's he's old. He's uh, not in the best of shape, but I, he, I reckon he could still take Michael Cole. I don't know. Uh, even Michael should have been well aware of that. So from a story point of view, why would you try and square up to the man anyway? <laughs> well, exactly. And I think the thing that kind of disappointed me more than anything else is that he didn't seem like he put a single ounce into learning how to wrestle and you know you think about the other kind of attractions or the the, the side shows that wrestlemania puts on i think about fucking i'm not sure which mania it was but um i think her name's uh, maria menounos uh, who's like a tv personality kind of had a, a tag team match <laughs> maria menounos um had a tag team match with kelly kelly on one wrestlemania um, i think it was like beth phoenix and Oh, someone else, I can't remember who it was, that, that they were fighting. And she had two broken ribs at the time, and she'd just come off um, Dancing with the Stars. But she was, like, quite a big celebrity, to, you know, to America. She was on, like, all yeah. Like, yeah, the access shows as, like, a, a, this well-known presenter. And she put on a fucking better match than Michael Cole. And I'm not being funny, but 
Michael Cole works for the fucking company. He could have at least bothered his ass. This is the thing. You think... I don't expect him to be in the gym and being as pumped up as everyone else. He, he doesn't have to be Vince McMahon and be obsessed with it so much that you you put yourself in the ring. But um, he's so he's so involved in the industry, you'd expect that, wouldn't you? Like another example being um, uh, I can't remember what event it was. So apologies, it might have even been in WrestleMania. But there was a match that involved um, Snooki from the Jersey Shore. Yeah, in, yeah. In a tag that match. Was, uh, and he, yeah, and even she put some effort in and learned That's some it. stuff. And was actually, I wouldn't say impressive in the ring. She's not a wrestler, but for someone who's not a wrestler, she, she even she surprised you. So the fact that Michael Cole can't is a little bit insulting, or didn't bother to actually. I think is the way you put it, and, and probably the more accurate. It's quite, quite insulting. It's like he's there day in day out, and he he from his own memory could have actually picked up on and and educated himself on a good few things. But yeah, it was kind of lazily put together for comic effect, wasn't it really? That's it, and I think you know not to kind of um, digress too much from from what. Reminded me then with the whole Snooky thing is uh she she actually did put on quite a good show with the whole mm. um you know I think it was a mixed tag team it was like a triple tag team match or something it was her and Trish Stratus and John Morrison um together as one team but um she actually you know did do a level of stuff but interestingly that was the match that kind of led to um John Morrison's demise from WWE at the time I believe so because it wasn't he a bit of a funny cunt with um. Trish Stratus. Yeah, so I believe the story at the time was that Melina felt like Trish Stratus stole her spot. So if Trish wasn't coming back, the match was going to be Snooky and Morrison and Melina versus this. And it was like, come on, Melina, you can't fucking wrestle. You were never going to get that spot to begin with anyway. But but she basically had uh, Johnny uh, Morrison wrapped around her fucking little mm. finger at the time and basically said, you know, don't show her an ounce of respect or, you know, love. So when they won the match and Trish Stratus went to hug him afterwards. He literally awkwardly did everything he could to get away from her. It's crazy, that, isn't it? And uh, I'm correct in saying, Melina, I know she had a bit of an in-ring career, but she was more notable as the valet for Eminem. She was never much of an in-ring competitor anyway, so it's, a, it's an odd stance, really, to take. But yeah, exactly. Shows you. Yeah. Whip, whipped <laughs> is the word, I believe, John. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so basically... The... So there's, there's an extra one for free, guys. An extra there one for go. free. There you go. But the moral of the story is Michael Cole, stay the fuck out of a WWE ring. Please. Please. Um, <laughs> so, I know we're getting desperate with this coronavirus, Michael, but if I see you in the fucking ring... <laughs> just don't fucking do it. Don't do it. Um, so the next one on my list was WrestleMania 28, and it was um, the first... Well, in fact, it was not the first encounter, the second encounter, but um, it was Sheamus versus Daniel Bryan. So um, the first oh, encounter yeah. was actually the year before, so They'd been meaning to square off for a while. Um, they got moved to the pre-show the year before, so obviously I was quite excited to see them at uh, WrestleMania 28 actually have their match. And it was a weird circumstance at the time because Sheamus was being booked as the face and Daniel Bryan was being booked as the heel, uh, which didn't really make that much sense. And he had AJ in his corner because um, of that whole thing that was going on. And um, basically the match lasted fucking 18 seconds and... Literally, so Brian. Was, um, was it a good eighteen seconds, Carl? Did you enjoy? It? Um, I mean, pff, I can think of a few eighteen <laughs> seconds in my life that I've really enjoyed. This was not one of them. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so it was literally a bro kick and a pin for Sheamus. And I don't know, I was just really pissed off by this because um, you know it, it was Daniel Bryan at the time. You know, moving on from his shit tenure in NXT under The Miz and stuff like that. He was starting to kind of cement himself as a, a top kind of WWE talent and he just fucked him over. And it was like, well, the previous year you fucked him over and now this year you're fucking him over again. And, um, 
yeah, it just didn't really sit well with me. I don't think it sat well with a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, the 18 seconds more than the win. Think yeah. about that. Think about that, right? If it was definitely 18 seconds, which I'm sure is, is accurate, that means that Shorty G lasted longer against Sheamus than Daniel Bryan. Well, there you go. <laughs> what the fuck? Exactly. How just, is that even uh, possible? It just—it was just a waste of—it was a waste of time, really. I think it's something might... they would never do now. They would never put Daniel Bryan in a match to be squashed in that for sort of fashion. That well, wouldn't happen now. I think from memory, this is the same WrestleMania that um, John Cena basically said, um, "Do you know what? I don't cut the the fucking." Brodus Clay match or the Brodus Clay segments where him and the Funkadactyls were coming out for a fucking 15 minute segment or something. That's um, not the one where he brought his mum out, was it? No, I don't think so. <laughs> but if you think about it, Brodus Clay got 15 minutes to fucking go out there and do a dance and Daniel Bryan got 18 seconds. Yeah, it's crazy. So, isn't it? you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm very understanding of the fact that WrestleMania is long, there's a lot going on and they need to cut things where appropriate, but, you know, you just fuck John Cena you, you, you just cut the fucking yeah. Brodus Clay thing and uh, John if you're ever looking at being a booker again if you have something called the Funkadactyls and you need to cut something from your show cut the Funkadactyls <laughs> it's, it's a simple choice a choice everyone should make <laughs> uh, yeah definitely um, <laughs> hopefully hopefully we'll never see that again but who knows <laughs> well, wasn't Naomi one of the Funkadactyls she was so um Unless they do some sort of trip down memory lane, I can't see the Funkadactyls being a thing ever again. That's good, you know. <laughs> Every I mean, cloud. It is WWE. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, so yeah, so that was one that I just wanted to bring up just for the the sheer kind of annoyance it brought me at the the eighteen second finish to something, um, you know, of the caliber of Daniel Bryan, and you know, in finish to Sheamus as well. Um, it could have been something that was pretty good, and they fucked it over twice two years in the run. So. So there you go, Seamus. You lasted 18 seconds and we all felt unsatisfied. Well done. Yeah, that's uh, something I'm sure he can resonate with on a daily <laughs> basis. Um, and then last one on my list was just more for the sheer kind of disgust, really. It was um, Big Show versus Akibono in a sumo match. So when you say disgust, was this cause, just because just of Big Show's outfit? or? Yeah, it was just the ass cheeks everywhere, to be fair. <laughs> um, I just... Yeah, I don't know what they were thinking. I, I'm all for star power at WrestleMania and people who are, you know, big names and bringing them in and getting them involved. It makes sense at WrestleMania. Yep, do it. Who the fuck's it? Like, what the fuck's an Aki Bono? And why the fuck is, you know, Big Show wearing a nappy? It just, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I just think... It, it's a very niche thing, isn't it? And I don't know. I, I, it could be an ignorance from, from our side or over the side of the pond. But um, was Aki Bono, like, was Sumo big enough for for everyone to be like wow Aki Bono like was that a thing well that's it I mean even if it was big in Japan or wherever it wasn't big enough on a global scale so it just didn't make any sense I think I wouldn't have thought, I'd even forgive it was big enough in America but I'm not sure I'm not sure most Americans would have known who the fuck he was well exactly me if I'm wrong I mean you know you've got Big Show versus Floyd Mayweather one year that makes perfect sense and you know it was a big big you know no pun intended a big money event but it was a big show <laughs> it was a big show, um, definitely money. Um, but yeah, this Akibono thing just didn't make any sense at all, really, of why it was even on there. So yeah, yeah, an unusual stance. Yeah, something I look back and you know there has been some awful matches and awful segments in WrestleManias, but that one for me just kind of felt like what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> that one, <laughs> that one 
you know, they've, they've done other stuff in the past. They've done like Barkham versus Butterbean in, in a boxing match and stuff. And yeah, that that didn't um, yeah didn't Butterbean actually take his career? <laughs> oh, he twatted him. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> you know poor poor Barkham really. That that whole tournament was set up um, because you know Jr. was a big fan of Doctor Death Steve Williams at the time and felt like he was a very big like bruiser. He'd had a bit of MMA experience, that kind of thing. So the whole tournament was set up for him to win it so they could push him as a big star. And then fucking Bark Guns smashes him <laughs> in the first round and ends up going through to the whole tournament. So you think, shit, what can we do? I don't know, we'll put him in against a legitimate boxer. And obviously, you know, <laughs> yeah. fucking <laughs> like, twatted. Like, guess what, guys? Uh, despite how Butterbean looks, you know, which I'm sure was a Vince McMahon factor. So you look at him. But, um, you know, he was a, a credible boxer. Yeah. That was credible, by the way, not incredible. I'm not naive. I know there was bigger boxers out there. But um, <laughs> he was he was a legitimate boxer, unlike Barkun. Well, exactly. I mean, I suppose the only silver lining from that thing was the fact that he got to knock out JBL, which I'm sure we do at some point in our lives. Yeah, I think um, if they offered that as some sort of um, fan service you could pay for, I certainly <laughs> would have a go. Yeah. Well, if you listen to WWE, the next Access event, um, yeah, make it happen. Yeah. Just, you know, even just take a swing, you know. Um, what, $10? I'd pay $10. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd, I'd yeah, I'd, I'd pay them. I'd probably pay them more, to be fair, just to get a swing. But, you know, yeah, just let us do it. Whatever the amount. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll club in. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, just everyone gets to go. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so that was, um, was kind of my big five that... Um, I could recall in the space of you know a couple of hours of of. I, I think you ended up with a big seven there because we digressed a couple of times, but nevertheless, <laughs> some some top ones there. Um, what I did, Carl, I tried to find some absolute fucking wildies. So, um, sorry for any Americans listening. Some uh, very unusual ones. Um, so some of these are probably aren't the biggest things, but they were that strange that I kind of wanted to list them. So. The first one I'm going to mention is uh, WrestleMania. Uh, do you know what? I, uh, I'm going to say 18 because the way I've wrote it, I put X8. WrestleMania 18. Um, Booker T versus Edge. The match itself, not got an issue with. The reason for the match, Carl. Do you remember the reason for this match? No. Booker T was jealous that Edge uh, got a shampoo commercial in Japan. <laughs> that was the basis for this feud. That can't be true. That is legitimately true. That 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 was the sort of the the sticking point for the they 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 had some sort of backstage segments where they they argued over it, um and yet that was sort of the driving point for this match. The the jealousy Booker T had. Why? Fuck knows. What a strange Holy decision. Shit. What a strange decision to make. So that's my first one. I I, I imagine Carl. Do you recall this match? <laughs> um, honestly, not even slightly. <laughs> no. It, it's weird as well because it sounds like it should be a bigger match. Booker T was big at this point. Edge obviously is a legend, so it, it feels like it should have been a bigger match. But it was just such a, a daft throwaway thing to the point that you don't recall it. Like, why would you? I had to go scouring to find some unusual stuff, so even I didn't recall it. You know what I mean? Very unusual. Yeah, but I, want, I want to throw it because, as far as bookings go, that whoever wrote that one wants shooting. Um, <laughs> right. So the next one I've got is actually not from WrestleMania itself, right? Is from uh, a sort of uh, a special that was put on around Mania, uh, televised on NBC. And the reason I want to list it is, and I didn't know this, This I find this absolutely fucking crazy, and you can you can find it on the internet. I will I'll provide links if anyone wants them, right? Is the fact that um, 
Undertaker done his usual entrance, and I, I don't know what the issue was NBC had with his entrance, but they, they weren't... Oh, I do, sorry. Um, his entrance music wasn't traditional Undertaker music. It was back when um, he was using Johnny Cash, you know, the Ain't No Grave song. Oh yeah. Um and NBC took issue with, with the song. Uh, I don't know if it was a copyright thing or a sensitivity thing, but um they couldn't use the song. They couldn't use Ain't No Grave. Um and what would you do in that scenario, Carl? If you were um, NBC? I mean I'd probably just revert to his uh, Dead Man song. That that'd make a bit of sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Right. They chose to use Katy Perry's E T. What? Yep. And Seriously? I I have found this video, it is true. <laughs> They 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 dubbed over "Ain't No Grave" and had Undertaker walking out. Admittedly, he he, he didn't actually walk out to it, but they had him walking out to a Katy Perry song. Holy shit! Holy shit, Cal! What the fuck is that? Uh, so that that couldn't have not been on this list. That is just insane. And I know I, I'll give WWE credit; they were never crazy enough to do that. This is a, a decision NBC made, and I have no idea why. And I imagine WWE had to sign off on it in some way. So I really don't get why it didn't just jump back to. Um, his original Deadman music, which I believe was a Jim Johnson track anyway, so it's not like WWE would have had any issue licensing that over to them. I mean, uh, exactly, yeah. but of, of all the songs in the world, why the fuck do you use a Katy Perry song? It's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely crazy. And, like, uh, I kind of I just got like, pit, like visions in my head of like, um, you know, in the old uh, Smackdown games where you could you know, set an entrance and there's like ballet ones and stuff like that. I've just got visions of someone doing that and Undertaker come down like the fucking ballet dance to Katy Perry. Um, uh, I'll I'll genuinely send you a link uh, after this uh, broadcast, mate. It's it's weird, <laughs> but yeah. So I needed to I needed to mention that one. It had to happen. Um, so going back to to a more legitimate, uh, I say legitimate, a more um, an actual uh, entry that that WWE did was um. Around the time it was WrestleMania 29, and it's not a big thing, but when you consider at the time, and I'm trying to be fair to Ryback here, because Ryback was um, sort of in the midst of his of his push, you know, um, as a as a top guy. They were at the time they were booking him as a sort of you know uh, unstoppable monster, as it were, you know, a, a Goldberg type character, um, and it, they just saw him lose in a sort of nothing match to Mark Henry. And again, no disrespect to Mark Henry, but it was just the choice to sort of ruin a, a push for a, a new star, which is, I'll be honest, nothing new for WWE, again, without being too bitter. Um, so I wanted to mention it. It's not the biggest entry in the, world, in, the, in the world. It might not necessarily class as worst, but I wanted to put it in there just because I'm trying to sort of keep to a bit more modern stuff as well. And as far as like, he, he was really big at one point, Ryback. I've never really been a big fan. But especially around this point, he he was he was hot, and they were they were pushing him sort of shocking, and then uh, yeah, they just sort of made this odd booking choice, which took the momentum right out of him. Really, uh, do you recall this one? I mean, I do, I do remember it vaguely, but um, you just reminded me. I don't, I can't think why at the time they did derail him so much because I mean, I know he'd had some stuff in the past where like you know people have said that he wasn't the safest of workers, for example, but. I yeah, don't see I don't that as being a reason to kind of derail his push and having him lose at, at Mania to Mark Henry. Well, that's the thing, um, and I don't know if there might be some some thingy to that whether certain people who were who were high up enough got him got him pushed out um, in that respect because he certainly he became a jobber anyway, and um, I think he left sort of complaining that he was a jobber. I mean, to be fair, it, it, the way he left the review, he was kind of weird as well because he he left moaning about 
equal pay, which was never going to happen. You know, the the ones who make them the most money are going to make the most money themselves. Just natural order, isn't it? But um, yeah, it, it, the whole sort of is fall from grace, really. I think, um, and again, correct me if I don't want to be quoted on it because I can't say for sure it was true. But um, one of the biggest people who, who spoke out about him being an unsafe worker was CM Punk, and I don't know if he had enough influence to say no. He needs to to sort of go down the card or whatever, but um, I know CM Punk certainly complained because he, he botched, I believe, a um, it, I don't know if he was meant to slam onto a table or whichever, but he botched a move uh, on the the entrance area and nearly done uh, CM Punk's back in, and I think uh, Punk took a, a lot of umbrage to that to the point that I've I've sort of heard about it. On I think it might have been um, when he was being interviewed by Cole Cabana when he's mentioned it, but. Um, Again, he, at the point at that time, CM Punk was probably the, the face of the industry. So I don't know if he's had enough juice to sort of say no, he's he's too unsafe. Um, again, speculation, albeit, but certainly an odd booking choice anyway. Yeah, I mean it. It is it is kind of a a crazy thing to think. I think at the time was Mark Henry getting pushed at this point, or was this like post or pre push? I I want to say it was. Um, post push but it could i mean it could have been pre i'm trying to trying to remember because um mark henry's been an up and down guy for so long that mm. i honestly it was this it, it, he's always pre push or post push isn't he let's be honest <laughs> yeah no that's, that's just very he's a fucking one. roller coaster that man <laughs> yeah i think um it's one of them if if it was like you know around the time he was kind of getting over then i suppose it's not the end of the world but at the same time if it was during the time where it was just you know oh mark henry just comes out and doesn't really do anything then it is quite a big kind of derail derailing of his uh push really to be honest um and again it's without doing any research because i'm being lazy looking at the fact that it was mania 29 i'm going to suggest it was it was post push you know because mm. i don't think mark henry was doing much around then i really don't no um so yeah so that that's that one the next one i wanted to mention was um wrestlemania 32 which pitted dean ambrose against lesnar and to be honest this was worst for me, and the reason I want to list it, and again, it's as far as his, history goes, this won't be the worst, but I want to list it on, on, on my five because this was a problem with the modern product in that they the booked it wrong because this should have been a really good match. Um, Ambrose is a big character. Lesnar's a big character. Uh, but they were booking it as like, this is going to be really hardcore. Do you remember them booking the skull? Oh, yeah, I remember it. Yeah. It was a There's no hold barred street fight match. Exactly, they built it up as though it was going to be a fucking death match. Mm. Yeah, they were talking about like barbed wire, bats, chainsaws, and everything. At one point, it was crazy. And well, I like he brought out a fucking chainsaw, didn't he, Dean? He was yeah. like, uh... <laughs> and then yeah, I mean that definitely didn't unfold in the match. And the trouble is, and don't get me wrong, you know they did some they did some spots, but the way they were building it up was like it was going to be like a really hardcore match, and I think they maybe overbooked it, especially for a, at the time a very PG product. Um, so I, I wanted to list it for that reason, really. That I think this is one of the driving points for for Ambrose wanting to to go because it really stagnates your creativity when you can they, like they they were so intent on building it as something that was going to be really hardcore, you know. And he's the lunatic fringe, and then he wasn't allowed to do anything loony, really. Um, so yeah, I think it this just sort of fizzled really as a from the build up and the like. Even I got to a point when I'm like, Jesus, I wonder what this match is going to entail. They're really making out like it's going to be a big hardcore thing, and there wasn't much to it really. Um, yeah, I, I, no. 
yeah. I think, yeah, <laughs> it, it it was definitely something where at the time they made it seem like this was going to be a serious kind of hardcore, like similar to the um, Kenny Omega, uh, John Moxley fucking hardcore yeah. battle that they had yeah, at AW. Exactly. Like you thought it was going to be almost like a an old school deathmatch kind of thing where there was going to be you know, fucking barbed wire ropes and, you know, fucking explosions and everything and fire and, you know, they made out like it was going to be so hardcore. And literally all it was was there was a couple of fucking chairs, I think, maybe made an appearance. Yeah, I want to say, did they do thumbtacks or was that a different match? Was that him versus Jericho? Yeah, I don't don't even think they did. Yeah, I think it was was really um, tame. I know um, Ambrose has took, done the thumbtacks at one point hasn't he but I don't think it was with Brock but yeah it was very tame a very tame match for especially for the way they built it up and it's not like I was expecting more it was the fact that they they told me there was going to be more if he's walking out with a chainsaw then you know it, I, I don't I didn't expect him to use the chainsaw but nevertheless you make it out like it's going to be really extreme and it wasn't it was um, it was just a bit it just yeah just fizzled it, it was there was nothing to it um so yeah uh, as far as recent history goes that was probably one of the worst uh, matches i've seen um in, and again purely for a booking aspect i think um i think i remember vaguely something around ambrose thinking that part of the reasoning behind that was lesnar um i think there was something around him not turning up until like only a couple of hours before the show, so they couldn't really plan it out, and they couldn't build any spots or something like that. Maybe, right? Um, but I don't know, honestly. You know, thing I is, <laughs> realistically, and again, this is this is speculation on my part because they haven't really said a great deal on 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 Lesnar's side of it. But from a Lesnar point of view, you know, you you've come in, you're a part timer, you've got a great contract from WWE where you, you 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 know you do a few hours and you earn a lot of money. Um, I can't see him wanting to put himself in that much of an injury risk and don't be wrong uh, we've seen recently with the way he's been with drew mcintyre he's willing to put people over and he's willing to put on a good match and i'm not discrediting him for that but you know why why get yourself hit with chairs and bats and and you know barbed wire and all sorts when you don't have to and when you're in big bucks anyway so i couldn't see why lesnar would want to to put any effort into this if you know what i mean um again speculative albeit but it, it just I, I could honestly see him not being that interested in the match anyway. Yeah, I think um, whatever the reason was, <laughs> it was basically definitely wasn't. They didn't deliver what they what they said they were going to do. So it was definitely exactly, uh, and it led to a lot of frustration for for Dean, who is mm. now John Moxley. Um, I, obviously, that with all the the hokey storylines he went into after that. But uh, I dare say this is probably one of the things where you know that that's frustrating as fuck and it's, it's led to him ultimately making the choice he's made to leave you know mm. but uh, yeah so that's um, that's me fourth and then uh, <laughs> my fifth one this one again probably not a big deal to a lot of people but this this is kind of personal to me because it pissed me off uh, at the time right and it's the fact that right I, i'm a big undertaker fan as you know Carl. and mm-hmm. uh, and as you know i i was introduced to undertaker at the american badass point right so we had um this sort of build up to um to Nathan Jones. You remember Nathan Jones? Oh yeah. An Australian street fighty kind what of was guy. He? The Sotnabogo Road, what was he? Ah something. Beast. I wanna say the Beast. Yeah, no, maybe. That is is he stealing Brock there? I don't know. But yeah, um and they were building him up, you know, they had this this really cool kind of 
it it was badass, but it was a didgeridoo. I don't know how they managed that, but <laughs> they you know they built up this this sort of Aboriginal Australian sort of sound and music that that sounded cool, and uh, they built him up like he was a maniac, and all, all the vignettes were really well put together. And you think, God, he's going to be a beast. And um, then we get to a a, a a what essentially was led to believe to be a handicap match for the Undertaker at the time, which was originally booked as a tag match, um, and then essentially Nathan Jones made his debut, ran in to help the Undertaker, and then done like a very limp sort of spinning back kick kind of thing, <laughs> and and that was it, and that was pretty much it for his career. Like I I don't know what happened with Nathan Jones, but this was like the most disappointing like surprise ever. But he like, come into assist like, taker and the whole thing was just shit. It was just lame as fuck. Yeah, I I remember this very kind of distinctly because you know I don't understand how we got to the point of being booked on WrestleMania to tag partner with Taker if you can't wrestle. <laughs> yeah, and it was very clear that that was the case uh, because they obviously shit the bed last minute. The I think it was on Sunday Night Heat. I think it was still going at the time. I'm pretty sure it was like Nunzio or something had. Um, stolen uh, Nathan Jones's wallet and lured him into the locker room, and then he got beat down by Big Show and A Train, um, and and like that's how he was taken out of the match, and that's how it became a handicap match. But it's like if if he can't wrestle, why put him on WrestleMania? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But yeah, it's it's a strange one because like, similarly to you, I remember when they introduced him as like this fucking maniac former convict from Australia and he was like seven feet tall. He was built like a brick shit house and you're like, holy shit, this guy's going to be something. But I think ultimately it was just, they probably rushed him in too soon. He couldn't wrestle and they probably just shit the bed at Mania and, and went like, fucking hell, we can't really put him in the match because he can't do anything. So we'll just book him to come out, do a spinny fucking kick and help yeah. him take him in. It's just one of them where, you go to yourself, did they have the gimmick before the wrestler or something? Because that guy should have spent a lot more time in developmental. Um, yeah. It doesn't make sense why they were pushing the vignettes and, and why they were pushing him. It, they must have been seeing him training. You know, obviously the, the, the performance center weren't there at the time, but he'd have been where he'd probably been FCW or something, wouldn't he? You know, they'd have seen him somewhere and well, they'd have known his capability. Uh, I don't get why they, why they got him to that point and to come out and like, an unusual comment to make, I suppose, but have you ever known like a big, scary convict badass come out and then do a spinny kick? <laughs> it, uh, it wasn't really the best movie that he should have. He should have slammed someone if he, you know, if he could have. Like, like maybe that was the danger because he didn't know how to how to land these things properly. I don't know, but it was just such an odd thing to come in and do as well. It just everything felt just weak and and weird. Yeah. Um, I mean, the only the only saving grace I'll give it is that he, he helped Undertaker keep the streak going at that point. But um, well, yeah. it was just uh, just a weird. Not like it was ever going to matter because um, the Undertaker probably would have. Uh, they could have realistically booked the Undertaker winning by himself, and I'd have been totally fucking fine with that. To be honest with you, but um, yeah, just a very strange setup that um, I still don't forgive them for. <laughs> I'll be no. honest. I think they probably tried to give him like the John Cena treatments where they saw some you know success with John, where they brought him from developmental and. You know, in fairness, you know, John's admitted this. When they brought him up as the ruthless aggression guy, he, he flopped. It was only once he started kind of, I think he was very close to being released even. And it was only once he came up with a rapper gimmick and then, you know, kind of molded himself into becoming the top guy in, in the industry. So I think he kind of, at to that time. Uh, I take your point because I, I barely remember him as the ruthless aggression guy. 
Like they they've shown you now when they show you the history of John Cena, like they like to do. They show you them like meeting the Undertaker backstage and Undertaker shaking his hand and showing him respect and stuff. I don't remember any of that. I no. only remember John Cena when he started coming out to the ring and talking shit with uh, with Bull Buchanan of all people. <laughs> do you remember yeah, that B squared? B squared, yeah, fucking hell. And um, and all B squared ever said was booyah. <laughs> sure, I forgot about that. You know. Hey, do you know what? One thing John could have done when he brought back the Thugonomics thing was to have Bull Buchanan. I don't know if he could have. I don't know where Bull is these days. But to have him with him would have been funny as fuck for me. But um, <laughs> that that's how I remember John. I don't I don't remember the Ruthless Aggression one. Um, it, it must have been so brief. But like you say, it, it did flop. But they like to add it into his history now, don't they? Yeah. Fucking hell. That's a, definitely a trip down memory lane. I think as well that um, that WrestleMania match, um, I just remembered then, the, the others kind of stand out for me in, in that match is um, The Undertaker screaming for help because um, the finish for that match, I think, was a, a tombstone on A-Train, so Albert. Um and I'm pretty sure when Taker picked him up, he nearly fucking broke his his own back <laughs> in the lift. And you joking? <laughs> he literally, he, you can literally hear like an audible scream of "Help me!" And then like a a train has to like shift his weight to make stop Undertaker from like fucking dying, basically. <laughs> so yeah, um, that's really funny. I, d- I, I don't recall that, you know. I remember that like clear as day because he's like this American badass guy and he's screaming out, you know, "Help me!" <laughs> oh fucking hell. Whatever happened to A Train? Um, he done he the whole Japanese thing, didn't he? He done Japan for a while. Yeah, so he went to Japan. He came back as Tensai on uh, Raw, and then that didn't work out. And then he's the lead trainer at um, the Performance Center now. He replaced he replaced Bill Demott, who, by all you know accounts, is a twat. So you know, at least really? uh, yeah. Apparently, he was a uh, you know fucking accused of all sorts of. Um, bullying and you know misconduct and everything of when he was the trainer there so God. i think um i think his name is matt bloom matt bloom um a train but yeah he's the he's the main kind of trainer now uh the performance center and by all accounts nice he's doing a really good job like, so yeah, yeah definitely yeah. Oh, top marks is fit finley still involved do you know what i think i don't even know where finley is now i think he was a road agent for a bit but i don't um i haven't seen him in ages yeah. Sorry, I'm aware we're digressing from the topic, but mm. um, yeah, I'm just curious because wasn't he involved with the PC for a while as well? Yeah, I think so. I think he was. Uh, he basically used to run the women's um, matches. Oh, I bet and stuff. he did. Oh yeah. Um, but I, I, I think I remember. I don't know. It was just the Irish connection. But I, I think Becky threw a, a shout out um, to him um, not too long ago, like about how much he'd helped there. So hopefully he's still around. But yeah, he's he's normally. Um, like uh, a helper of the women um, and, and, and like putting their matches together and stuff. Ah, right. Ah, fair enough. And um, and how's Hornswoggle these days? <laughs> um, you know, he's, he's 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 keeping himself to himself. He's uh, just spending his, you know, his, his dad's millions, uh, Vince, obviously. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We need to do a, a, top, a, a top 10 worst fucking bookings because that's got to be on there. Jesus. I don't think I could fucking... You know, limit myself to ten. To be fair, if if we're going all out, <laughs> uh, crazy. 